أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ربنا أدخلنا مدخل صدغ وأخرجنا مخرج صدغ وجعلنا من لدنك سلطانا نصيرا جاء الحق وزهق الباطل إن الباطل كان زهوغا ربنا اجعل جمعنا هذا جمع مباركا مرحوما واجعل اللهم تفرقنا من بعده تفرقا معصوما ولتلم فينا ولا معنا ولا منا شقين ولا محروما اللهم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يبقه قولي ربي أوزعنا نشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضاه واصلح لي في ذريتي نتبت إليك وإني من المسلمين وصلي وسلم على سيدنا أحمد النبي الأمين وآله وسلم وحن ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتح بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك الدين يكن عبد يكن استعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم الصراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم Now I'm going inshallah to talk in continuous or in continuing the session of the that we do we missed two Saturdays uh, but I'm not really feeling very well so because I didn't want to miss today I said I'll come I want to speak not for a very long time, so that inshallah when we come next Saturday, we can take it further. Because inshallah, hopefully when we come next week, we'll be talking about Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. Okay? The Hudaybiyah Accord. Okay? The peace agreement between the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and those who were opposing him at the time. It's called Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. Yeah. Uh, but in today's session, if we remember almost two weeks ago, we were talking about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for the third time the Mushrikeens of Mecca were planning and plotting against him. When Uhud is finished and the Muslims lost 70 of their best men including the uncle of Rasulullah Hamza it was very sad for the Muslims. And Rasulullah felt that loss. But he was still hopeful that inshallah he can build the community that will be doing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us to do. Now the first battle Badr, then Uhud, both those battles the Prophet ﷺ never initiated, never wanted to enter into, but he was confronted within his homeland. If you go to Medina today, Badr and Uhud are within the area, far away from Mecca. When Uhud finished, Abu Sufyan promised to come next and to fight the Prophet ﷺ again. And the time came when the Mushrikeen of Mecca, with the help of some of the enemies of the Prophet within Medina, plotted to start a battle to destroy the Prophet and his companion forever. And that battle became the Ditch or Al Khandaq. And as I said in the last session, that it was an idea never 
happened before in Arabia, nor the Arabs have an understanding of planning a war like that. But Salman al-Farisi or Salman the Persian gave the idea to Prophet and he took it and he planned the war. And subhanallah, the Mushrikeen decided to leave. There were some skirmishes, but nothing happened as big. They went back and they promised to come back again. The next year, as I said in the last session, the Prophet ﷺ went out because Abu Sufyan said, I'll meet you in Badr. The Prophet went out, but they never came. Abu Sufyan decided not to come. Thereafter, the life in Medina became a little bit difficult because those who were living, other than the Aus and the Khazraj, who were the Ansar, the supporters of the Prophet who supported him and the immigrants, the Muhajirun, the other tribes whom he made a promise to them that he will live with them in peace, he will not fight them, especially the Jews, because they are the people of the book. He made an agreement with them that for them is to establish their religion and the freedom to do whatever they want and for him to do the same. They must be an amicable understanding. But again and again, they came, the plotting, to try to destroy him by one way or another. One of the biggest tribes, the Jewish tribe called Bani Quraidha, there is Bani Qainaqa and Bani Quraidha. They were big tribes, but Bani Quraidha is one of the big ones. And they began to plot against the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is immediately after the Battle of the Ditch. And what they agreed with him, they began to remove. And they began to think that they can destroy him and destroy his community and forever vanish this new religion that has come. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has his ways. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want only one thing, justice. This is for all humans, wherever they might be living, whatever they might be needing, Allah wants for them justice. And Allah requests from them to do good to one another and to everything around them. And those whom they are responsible for, they must be the best in their behavior, conduct, and interaction with them. In fact, the Quran states, Indeed, Allah commands justice, good doing, and being good to those who are related to you, your next of kin, your relations. Now, from this, we can realize one thing. The Prophet ﷺ journey began when he was 40 years old when he was in the cave and he received the revelation. And the first person to embrace Islam with him is his wife Khadija, who became a Muslim and a supporter. And someone who gave him everything to make him feel assured that whatever he had received will always be supported. For indeed, 
In him she saw nothing but good. She saw truthfulness, honesty, and she saw on honesty in a huge scale she could not see in anybody else. Then Abu Bakr Sadiq, his closest friend, then Ali ibn Abi Talib, his cousin, the young man. Then Zayd. Those people became the initial people who became Muslims at that time. And they were increasing. They were numbered in few. However, in their heart, they had the best that they can offer the world. What do they have in their heart to offer the world? The understanding that Allah or God is just. And justice is the most important element in the society. So they never went out of their way to push anybody to embrace the religion. They never fought anybody else to stop them from what they were doing. They never went out of their way to insult or to demean or to do anything to make life difficult for other communities. In fact, they hid themselves. The place where they used to sit and reflect upon what they have received from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the glorious word of the Quran, Darul Arqam, was a hidden place. They used to quietly go in, sit, receive, and go out and live their normal life. But it was a different life to uh, the norm of the time. Where in the marketplace there is cheating and lying and deceiving. Where women were oppressed. Where men are bought and sold in the market like cattle. Where the rich were doing the most evilest act. Where life was miserable for the poor. And the orphan were mistreated. And girls who did not even know what life is in their young age were buried alive. Those new men and women who embraced what was received from the heaven through the heart and the tongue of Rasulullah began to show that light in their action, in their behavior, in their interaction with people. Hence, people were pulled into this light. The magnet that they had within their heart was so strong than the force of our side. The mushrikeen or the idolaters with their money, their force, their power, they could not. So who was excited by this? The person who was seeking justice. The person who was seeking security. The person who was seeking peace. The person who was seeking just good living. The person who was oppressed. The poor, the needy, the orphan, and women. They all began to see the goodness in this. What they hear, the Quran. But even that, subhanallah, the mushrikeen did not like, they wanted to destroy. The Prophet never went out of his way to fight what is coming his way. Slowly, he began to send his companions across the sea, the Red Sea, to go to Abyssinia. In two trips, the first Hijra, the second Hijra, so that at least they can preserve themselves. Because religion is not to go out and force people, or to fight people, or to do anything to compel people. Allah said in the Quran, لا إكراها في الدين قد تبين الرجل من الغي. There is no compelling in faith. For indeed, good and evil has made 
has been made plain. Clear. It's a choice. It's a free choice. But then, subhanAllah, for his own soul, وسلم, as we said before, he has to travel to Medina. Not openly, but hiddenly. He went from his home to Ghar Thawr, the cave of Thawr. And he hid there for three days. And he came out from the cave. Okay? And then, subhanAllah, he went from the cave direct straight away to Medina. And in his journey to Medina, going to Medina, he was followed. And the Mushrikeen wanted his head, wanted his destruction. But he never fought. Even Suraka, the man who was leading, okay, the delegation to bring him back and who was promised a hundred camels, the Prophet could have destroyed him if he wanted. But he let him go. To prove to us, at the end of the day, justice is the basic understanding of the teaching of the Prophet So straight away, the Prophet arrived in Medina. The people who were fighting for many, many years, they united in welcoming him. He made peace between them, Al-Aws Wal-Khazraj. They became the supporters of the Ansar. And there, he saw the other tribes. Bani Nadir, Bani Qainaqa, Bani Quraidha. These are the big Jewish tribe. And other smaller tribes. He welcomed all of them and made peace with them. And said, he is not here to fight or to compel or to do anything but to bring peace. But while he is there, the Mushrikeen of Mecca wanted to destroy him. So they came for Badr. They lost. They came for Uhud. Okay? And they managed to destroy a lot of the Muslims. They left. They came for the ditch battle, Al-Khanda. They promised to come again. But they didn't. And the Prophet ﷺ has proven by all this that at the end of the day, the message that he is bringing is a message to unite. A message to bring people together to do good. A message that will show the good so that the people can reject that which is evil. A message that will make you distinguish between that which will benefit you and that which will destroy you. Anything other than that, nothing to do with faith. So the fundamentals of the deen is in these three things. Al-Adl, Wal-Ihsan, Wa-Ita'idul-Qurba. Justice, good doing, and being good to your next of kin. This part of the equation must be fulfilled. And the Prophet ﷺ worked hard to make sure this is done. The Quran is full of verses. The Hadith is full of statements. The Prophet said, books are written about those three things. Volumes. But the second part of the equation, وَيَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَقِي Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbids all evil actions. All obscene actions. And all that which will bring destructions to others. Meaning, you have no right to insult or to demean or to put down or to fight anybody else. You have no right. Everybody 
has a right to exist, just like you have the right to exist. Everybody has the right to choose. As long as they do not do anything to harm anybody else or anything, then they have the right of existence, like you. This is something Allah has made. Okay? And when it comes to attacking others, you have no right to think bad about others. You have no right to feel bad about others. You have no right to use your tongue to say anything bad about others. And you have no right to use your body in gesture or in physical fight to attack anybody else. The Prophet said in the hadith, كل المسلم على المسلم حرام كل المسلم على المسلم حرام The human being that you deal with, all of him is haram for you. How? It's forbidden for you. دمه وماله وعرضه His blood, you should not touch. That means you should not harm him. Okay? His wealth, you have no right to take from without his permission. His honor should not be touched in any way so that you can bring okay, any destruction within his family fabric. So that is something very, very important. There is a system the Prophet brought and established. The time when the battle of the ditch took place, it was only three years after he came from Mecca. He was just becoming 54 years old, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Nine years left for him to live. Okay? He came back to Mecca. And then he went back to Medina. And he passed. And we'll talk about all those details in the coming sessions. But in this session, what I'm trying to stress is that what he started doing in Medina after the battle of the ditch is to make sure that everybody who's living with him, Muslim or non-Muslim, must live with an accord of peace, must coexist. If you look at our community we live in, or we live with in Britain here, we are trying to find ways through which we can live with one another. Because our society is multicultural, multi-religious. So there is a lot of discussions and debate and talks, how to live, how to coexist with one another. This is not the first time for this to be done. This was established by the man who was sent as a mercy to the world 1400 years ago, Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu and in Medina he established that. And his companions after him, those who went to Sham, where there is war raging now, they went there and they established this. And when his companion left that area and they came to Spain, they established that. They lived with the Christian and the Jews, and life was with dignity and honor. In fact, the world was thriving in knowledge, in innovating, inventions were made at that time by those Muslims, whether they were in Baghdad or in Qurtuba. Things were at ease because that's the way Islam was taught by the Prophet. So if we look at that period of time and try to take a lesson from it to our time now, the best lesson we take is that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam manifested himself as a mercy to the world in making sure 
that everybody should coexist with one another in a peaceful way. Everyone must accept the other. Everyone must allow the other to do what they want to do without harming one another. That is the, the lesson. And that lesson must be taken by us so that we can live Islam. Islam is not something that you shout, you talk about, you carry banners. No, no, no. It's not slogans. Islam is faith. And faith, Rasulullah when he was asked, what is it? He said, it's a light Allah put into the heart. But only manifested by one actions. It is a light Allah put into your heart, but can only be seen in your actions. If your actions are good, then there is something good within yourself. If your actions are no good, then there is something wrong. So for this reason, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in all these years, while he is in Medina, he began to teach the teaching of how to live Islam. How to make sure that Islam is seen as a religion that brings people together, unite people, allow them okay, to coexist in a manner that will make them live a life of peace and dignity. So, what did Rasulullah teach while he's in Medina in those years? What did he teach? Beautiful things. A lot of the verses of the Quran that were revealed to him to make people understand and appreciate who they are. One of the most important things that he received and became a teaching for us to understand today is in Surah Al-Isra when the Jews came to him because the Jews began to challenge him wanting to disprove that he is the messenger wanting to prove to their community that they hold the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth and nobody else has anything but the opposite of what they have but they couldn't stop what he was bringing. If somebody is carrying light, nobody can stop that light from being seen from others. So subhanallah, they came to him and they asked him, if you truly claim to be the messenger of God, tell us about the spirit. Sayyidina Muhammad never says, I know or I have the knowledge to tell you or I can give you the answer immediately. For indeed, everything he says is a revelation put into his heart by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought to him by Jibreel alayhi salam. So he told them, I have to wait for the answer that comes from the heaven. So they agreed. They will go away and they will come back to him awaiting the answer that will come to answer their question. Allah said in the Quran, when Jibreel came to him, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ويسألونك عن الروح. محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم, they have come to you and they are seeking clarification by asking you about the spirit. قل. When Allah says to him in the Quran, قل, that means tell them, say to them. قل. It's not his word. Because a lot of people think that the Quran is the word of Muhammad. It's not his word. Tell them. 
قول الروح من امر ربي الروح or the spirit is of the commandment of my lord here we learn a lot from rasulullah about our existence about our creation about how we come to be the people we are today it puzzles me as a man of faith when i look at the modern teaching that people are still trying to prove that we are not but creatures like all other creatures coming from the same beginning we used to walk on four and from there we moved on until we stood on two nobody who have faith in their heart will believe in this because i believe in the scripture and in the quran allah says we created adam standing adam then is we today there's no difference the creation of man is totally separate because allah said we created this creature from the mud in his physical form where in the heaven and we brought him down from the heaven with his partner eve and from them we scattered on the earth many men and women allah didn't say we scattered from them many other creatures i'm saying this because there are some confusions taking place when people are studying and looking at science and saying things in faith we believe adam was created separately individually and eve was created from him that's it and from both of them we all come in all different forms races tribes nations colors languages cultures depending upon where we were born now qulu ruhu min amri rabbi say the ruh or the spirit is of the commandment of my lord wama utitu min alilmi illa qalila however tell them ya muhammad that whatever knowledge they have received is only very little very very little there is not a lot of knowledge that we have although we think we know a lot if you really want to know how much knowledge we have just look at a language and try to calculate or count how many words in that language not many not many all language don't have many words but we think we have a lot of knowledge we don't have a lot of knowledge compared to the knowledge of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the almighty as it is being said by our prophet sallam the knowledge that all of us we have and we had and we will have in the future is like putting a needle in an ocean and taking it in percentage that water in the needle compared to the water in the ocean is nothing this is the knowledge we have but yet we abuse that knowledge we argue with that knowledge we cause trouble to one another with that knowledge for this reason what we learn from that time of the prophet sallam when he was teaching his companions in medina is to create an atmosphere of learning whereby there is no argument there is no fight allah said in the quran la jidal fi din there is no argument in religion i am saying this specifically to link our sirat we are studying with our life today you just need to look into the internet and see how much people are arguing about faith there's no argument there's no argument لكم دينكم ولي دين 
if you have a faith that you are following, it is your faith. And I have my faith. You coexist with me in peace. There are things that will link us together and there are things that will separate us from one another. We must accept to coexist properly so that we as human beings behave the way the Creator Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala intended us to behave with one another. There is nothing that the Prophet taught in his lifetime to make life difficult or uneasy. He made it easy for people to appreciate one another, to understand one another, to cope with one another, to help one another, to support one another. And to finish with, I'll give you some of the quotation. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الناس بالناس ومن يعن يعن الناس بالناس ومن يعن يعن People are in need of one another People are always in need of one another However, only those who help will surely be helped Only those who help will surely be helped So what he is trying to tell us صلى الله عليه وسلم As long as you are a human being, there will come a time in your lifetime you need somebody else. None of us here can say I need nobody. I can exist with myself. I wake up in the morning. Anything that I use, I needed somebody else to do it for me. The home you live in, you didn't build it yourself. The bathroom that you used, you didn't build those things in it. The material that you use in your day, whether it is your toothpaste, whether your food that you eat, whatever, it is all brought from somebody else. As you needed them, they need you. We benefit one another. We support one another as human beings. So he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in Medina began to instill in the companions, although there are different groups with different ways of living their life, coexistence can only happen when we accept one another, when we support one another, when we help one another. In another hadith, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, clearly, alayhi abdullah salatu wa sallam, khayru nathi man yanfa'u nas. To his companion, he says, remember, the best of you is the one who will bring benefit to others. The best of you is the one who will bring benefit to others. In this, he was trying to relate to them, if in your heart, because you think you have the truth, or hold the truth. Others have nothing, and you are the best. You have not learned anything. For indeed, your father Adam, when Allah belonged unto him from his spirit, and asked the malaika to prostrate for him, Iblis refused. Illa Iblis Abba. Except for Iblis, who refused to prostrate for Adam. Was takbar, and he acted with arrogance. Why? Because he thought he's better than him. He thought he's better than him. So, if you want to be of the best human beings, if you want to be of those whom Allah will look up to and care for a reward in the day of judgment, then you must see yourself in relation to others and what benefit they gain from you. It's not good enough to say, I will do nothing. It's not good enough to say, I'm unable and I need. He said in another statement, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hand that gives is better than the hand that receives. 
Why he is doing that? To encourage the companions that although now we are learning, we are studying, we are trying to become better people, but we must be able to sustain and support ourselves. And if we have the extra to support and sustain others. For indeed those who will work for themselves, sustain themselves by the permission of Allah, and able to help others are better than those who are waiting to be helped. He instilled in the companion in those years in Medina the importance of knowledge, the importance of learning knowledge, the importance of coexisting with others without having any difficulty, not having envy or jealousy, not wanting to compel them to take what he brought to them. But moreover, that one who works and earns and supports himself and his family and does good to others, he will become the best of the humans. And I promise you, in the next few sessions when we talk about the Prophet ﷺ came back to Mecca, then we will understand and appreciate how important that teaching that took place at that time made those men and women the best of men and women who ever lived on this earth. Nobody was better than those companions. The best companion of the Prophet ﷺ, those who lived with him at that time, inshallah. I'm going to finish here and I'm going to ask if anybody have any question, ask me. And inshallah, I will leave to go. And inshallah, I will see you next week. And it's better to start early, since I am here. Inshallah, Ramadan is coming soon. So if we can start at quarter to eight, inshallah, so that by Makrib time, we could finish the Sira lesson. People can pray Makrib and leave. And those who want to stay for Salawat and Dhikr, they can stay behind. Anybody have a question, please? Yes? No, no, no. Isra al-Mi'raj took place while he's in Mecca. One year and a half before he went. One year and a half before he went to Medina. He was about 51, 51 and a half, 52 years old when Isra al-Mi'raj took place. Okay? That's the time. Okay? Because Salah started in Mecca. Wa alaykum as Imad. Salah started in Mecca. Yeah? Any more questions, please? How are you, my brother? Are you all right? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Anybody question? No question. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. As-salatu wassalamu ala ash-shaytan al-anbiya wal-mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Ya Rabbi zidna ilma wa zidna fahma wa jalna min al-rashidin. Ya Rabbi zidna ilma wa zidna fahma wa jalna min al-rashidin. Ya Rabbi zidna ilma wa zidna fahma wa jalna min al-rashidin. Ya Rabbi hayyik lana min amrina rashada. Wa jal ma'unataka al-husna lana madada. Bil-awliya bil-salihin bi-jam'ihim man jaana al-Qur'ana anhum murshida. Farrij bifadlika ilahi karbana ya khayran madda lana malahu yada. Allahumma inna nas'aluka ilman nafi'a. Wa qalban khashi'a. Wa nuran sati'a. Wa rizqan wasi'a. Wa shifa'an min kulli da. Wa lqina يسر أمورنا افتح اللهم علينا فتوح العارفين العاشقين رب اشفنا وعافنا واعف عنا وتولنا واهدنا واهد بنا اغفر اللهم لنا ولوالدينا ولمشايخنا ولمن علمنا ونسألك اللهم باسمك العظيم الأعظم الذي لا يعلم علمه إلا أنت يا عليم يا حكيم يا رحيم يا أرحم الراحمين يا خير الرازقين يا رب العالمين يا علي يا عظيم لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك العلي الأعلى الوهاب هب لنا ربنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب وصلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد صلاة عبد قلت حيلته ورسول الله وسيلته وأنت لها يا إلهي ولكل كرب عظيم فرج عنا ما نحن فيه بفضل بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم I ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى for our brothers and sisters who are not with us tonight here wherever they might be whatever they intend in their heart to have may Allah fulfill it for them and grant them whatever they need and may Allah سبحانه وتعالى give them success in this world and the hereafter I ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى for those who are sick to be healed I ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى for the homeless to be sheltered 
after I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the barefooted or the hungry, the thirsty, for Allah to cater for them, feed them and water them, and allow us to have mercy to be able to support them. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all those unemployed to be employed. I ask Allah for those who are employing people to have the means to employ extra people so that they can have dignity to look after themselves and look after others to be the best of people, Ya Rabbil Alameen. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those who are in war zone, famine zone, difficulty zone, having calamities in their areas, that Allah will support them and guard them and give them security and peace, Ya Rabbil Alameen. My brothers and sisters in Syria, those who have been oppressed for many years, may Allah remove their oppression. May Allah remove their oppression. May Allah remove their oppression. And those who are oppressing them, may Allah remove them and exchange them by better people, Ya Kareem. All over the world where there is suffering, may Allah remove the suffering. All over the world where there are calamities, may Allah remove the calamities. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us tawfiq to help people. May Allah make it easy for us to help them, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Waj'al jam'ana hadha jam'a mubarakan marhuma. Waj'al tafarruqana min ba'dihi tafarruqan ma'afuma. ورضي الله فينا ولا معنا ولا منا شقيا ولا محروما وصل اللهم على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين